It's that time of year again. It's March, and college basketball is on the center stage with the tournament. And what a tournament it's been so far. If you're looking to wager this year, folks, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. It's pretty easy. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online where the game starts. It's always ice cream season at the locally owned and operated Carvel of North Syracuse. And March is no exception. Come on in and get a taste of the Irish. All month long, they'll have delicious mint soft serve, mint flying saucers, mint milkshakes, and their amazingly popular cookie puss cake. All perfect for the St. Patrick's season. Everything at Carvel of North Syracuse is made fresh. So no matter what kind of treat or design you want, they make it happen. Carvel, open seven days a week, Brewerton Road in North Syracuse. Hey, this is Linda Cohn from ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter is back with you all over the major platforms. You can find me on Twitter at Mike L Sports and of course ML Sports Platter all over the other social media engines. Please do download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review to this podcast. All of that helps immensely where you get podcasts on your smartphone device. And we are brought to you by the Allen Angus Pub. I just got back. Unbelievable meal. Had a burger and a salad. Terrific place to eat, allenanguspub.com for more. You can get gift cards for any occasion as well. The Allen Angus Pub, before and after all the big events, Syracuse sports, crunch hockey, concerts, and more. The Allen Angus Pub is the place to be. Unbelievable burgers, great wraps, homemade soups, and more, plus a great uh, lineup of beer on draft, bottle, and can as well. Make sure you stop by and see my friends over there at the Allen Angus Pub. A big tip of the cap thank you as well to Ken's Auto Detailing, Liverpool Physical Therapy, Barks and Rack Doggy Daycare, and Burn Dairy. You're cruising around Central New York, plenty of locations to gas up your vehicle. Do so at Burn Dairy, participating locations all around Central New York. Let's talk some college basketball, and we're going to dip into the history a little bit of the Big East that he was a part of, that unbelievable conference. He is currently a CBS Sports college basketball analyst and a former head coach at Manhattan, Villanova, and UMass. And, of course, he was an assistant on that 1985 Villanova National Championship team. Can't wait to dip into this with one Steve Lapis. Go get him on Twitter, at stlapis. That's at S.T. Lapis. Steve, thank you for a few minutes. Great to connect. Hey, it's great to be on with you. How's it going? It's going great, and I wanted to start with your Villanova days, 92 to 2001. I mean, the Big East, I grew up on it. I'm sitting here right now about 15 minutes north of the Carrier Dome. The battles, the teams, the championships, the coaches, the players, the personalities. What was it like for you to come to the Carrier Dome and play Syracuse, 25, 30, 32,000 people. What was that like, and what was your Big East experience like when it was really the best conference in the land? Yeah, I mean, it was an unbelievable experience. And to get the head job at Villanova in 1992, when guys like, you know, Bayheim and Rick Barnes and P.J. Carlissimo and Jim Calhoun 
and John Thompson were all coaching in the league. You know, it was a thrill, obviously, for a young coach like me to be in that kind of a in that kind of a meeting room, like the, at the Big East meeting. So, you know, that being said, it was an unbelievable conference, and and the Big East today is really good. Let's don't get me wrong; it's very good. But though that was different, and it, it seemed like you know, from top to bottom, there were battles every night. It was more regional in terms of the schools. You know, now it's a little more spread out, but it's, it's a great league. Certainly not a knock on the league now, but it's just different. So in those days, going to the Carrier Dome was always a thrill. Um, and, you know, there were I think we had a couple of games where there were 40,000, you know, when we were really good and Syracuse was really good uh, back 95, 96, 97, those years. So uh, it was always a thrill going to the Carrier Dome. And, you know, we won a couple of times up there, which was nice. And Beheim, he won a couple of times down my place. Yeah, God, those battles were amazing. You, you obviously are a New York guy as well. And so, you know, you get the gig at Villanova after being uh, at Manhattan and an assistant at Villanova uh, in the mid-80s. We'll get into that. But, um, boy, <laughs> you know, for a New York guy to, 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 to grab a Big East job and then play the tournament at the Garden, I mean, Steve, the feeling must have been unbelievable. You're, I mean, you're a New York guy through and through. You played high school basketball in New York. You coached in New York, and then Villanova, and then you're back in New York. That had to have been, that had to have been unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, the, the greatest picture that I have hanging in my basement is cutting the nets down in Madison Square Garden after we won the Big East Championship. Now, we won the, the NIT Championship the year before, too, in a sold-out garden. So, you know, I grew up about a 15-minute subway, subway ride away from the garden up in Washington Heights. And, uh, you know, as a kid, used to go down there all the time and watch, you know, St. John's play when they had Mel Davis and those guys and Manhattan play when they had Bill Campion. So, I mean, from the time I was 10 years old, I was going to the garden to watch college games and they used to have doubleheaders in those days. And uh, to be there and to have a to coach a Big East championship game there and, and to take it a step further. I mean, my father was a Greek immigrant, so... I was the son of a Greek immigrant and, you know, I was just a half-decent player in Division Three, And to have the opportunity to coach at one of the great universities and in the greatest league in the country, in the greatest arena, was uh, absolutely a thrill. All right, so I'm a graduate of St. Bonaventure University, and they had high expectations going into this year. A lot of guys coming back, top 25 ranking. They win the Charleston Classic. They get up to number 16. And then things just didn't really go their way during during the season. And they lose in the A-10 tournament. Kyle Lofton misses a couple of free throws under two seconds. And then we move to getting an invite from the NIT. Bonaventure, on the road Colorado, check it. On the road Oklahoma, check it. On the road Virginia, check it. Power 5, football schools, tons of money, TV contracts, monster enrollment compared to Bonnie. And they're going to Madison Square Garden to play in the NIT. Do you think that's a big deal? It's absolutely a big deal. I mean, let's understand this. Mark Schmidt does one of the best jobs in the country. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say, you know, I know you guys want him to stay there, but why somebody else hasn't grabbed this guy? Because, in my opinion, St. Bonaventure is a tough job. I mean, you're two hours from the nearest airport. um, So recruiting is tough, getting kids up there and stuff. And it's a beautiful beautiful area, and it's 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 a beautiful little school. But let's face it, it's in a tough place geographically. The winters can be hard. And this guy just gets player after player that's under the radar, that other people don't think are good. And he has them and makes them good. 
and makes them fit in his system. So I think Mark Schmidt is a tremendous basketball coach. You're very lucky to have him. And I think it's a great thing for St. Bonaventure to be playing in the Final Four in, uh, in Madison Square Garden, the NIT. I think it's a definite uh, boost for that program. Now, you know, if you're North Carolina and you're playing in the NIT, it's not the same thing. Let's face it. But I think for St. Bonaventure, not taking anything away from the program or what Mark Schmidt has accomplished, I think it's a good thing. CBS Sports College basketball analyst Steve Lapis with us, the former Manhattan, Villanova, and UMass head coach as well, and an assistant on that special 85 Villanova championship team. Our guests on the ML Sports Platter brought to you by Bowers & Company CPAs and Burn Dairy. You can get Steve on Twitter at STLapis. When did you realize that the 85 Villanova team had something special going on? I'm sorry, I didn't hear the whole question. What? When did you realize the '85 Villanova team had something special going on? You know, and probably after we beat Michigan in the second round. Uh, you know, that team had kind of underachieved, and uh, you know, we were disappointed. You know, with the season, really, for the most part. And you know, we ended up being an eight seed. I think it was an eight seed. I always get confused between eight nine seed. I think it was an eight seed. And uh, you know, we play uh, Dayton the first game. We beat them by two at the buzzer, basically, mm-hmm. which, you know, at Dayton. So that was, you know, it was a good win, but we weren't really. But when we played Michigan the next game and they were the one seed and we beat them, then we knew we had something going because we had played Maryland during the season, who we played next, and we knew we had a shot against them. We played them a tough game during the regular season, and now we had them again in the tournament. So we, it kind of started building. When you beat a one seed, your feelings change. No doubt, you guys were the eight seed that year, by the way, and I just got done reading the amazing book by Dana O'Neill on the Big East, and it goes back to all the great stuff that you're very familiar with, the development, Dave Gavitt, ESPN, the personalities and players, all the stuff that I alluded to earlier. You know, that Villanova championship was enormous for so many reasons because it showed the depth of the conference, right? Like David slaying, uh, slaying, uh, uh, you know, slaying Goliath. You had, um, obviously, in the Mecca, the conference is only, what, five, six years old at that point. Um, you, you guys kind of arrive on the scene. People finally learn about Raleigh Massimino. Did, did you sense the magnitude when you guys won of how big it was, not on the national scene, but more so the conference, putting the conference on an extra map after Georgetown had already arrived as the dominant guy and, you know, Syracuse and all these other teams. But Villanova now, a big player in this thing, St. John's, the home team. Did you have a sense then, the magnitude for the conference based on your win in 85? Yeah, I mean, we had an idea, you know, but certainly, you know, we were more thinking about what the significance was to Villanova basketball. That's kind of how you feel. But yeah, when you certainly when you look back, you see what that was to have two national champions in a row from our league when our league was so young. I think that really that really kind of set the league off into the future and uh, to become what it was. So uh, I think a, a, an unbelievable accomplishment, and uh, it definitely was was big for the school, and it was an unbelievable game, obviously, and just, uh, yeah, it set up a lot of things within the league, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Big East regular season, Villanova wins in 97. You win the Big East tournament in 95, two years before that. Did you ever get the sense, because this is talked about a lot, when you win a Big East regular season or you win a Big East tournament, it's almost like, yeah, okay, you're going to the NCAAs, and if even if you lose early, you're like, yeah, but what we just did in the Big East is basically like going to the Sweet 16 or beyond in this tournament. You know, did, did, did you feel that way? Was there exhaustion at the end when you won a championship uh, in the Big East regular season tournament? Because, man, is that hard, Steve. 
I think in the end it hurt us because we played. We were a three seed, and then we played Old Dominion that week. And you're exhausted. We lost in triple overtime. Yeah, I remember that game. Yep. In Albany, and yep. so yep. you know, here you go. You have this very emotional win, first Big East tournament championship in the history of the school, mm-hmm. and then you know, four days later, you, you know, you just don't have it. But just because we didn't have it, didn't mean we couldn't get through that game. You know, so it was a matter of let's just get through this game. And then we can get our legs under us and get back together. But we just, you know, we didn't get through the game. We missed a couple of layups at the end of regulation with, and left and the end of the first overtime with the score tied. Uh, if you make one of those baskets and we just sneak through that game, you never know what's going to happen after that. Because obviously, if you beat Connecticut by 25 points in the biggest championship game, you're good enough to win a national championship. And that's all you want. You only want to have a team that's good enough. Yeah. That team was good enough. And we got knocked out in the first round. Wow. Manhattan, 88-92. to 92, Then UMass, 2001-2005. to 2005. Uh, Take my listeners through those jobs. You know, the, the high point and the low point for you, Steve. Well, you know, in Manhattan, we took over a program that was considered the worst program in the country. They had won 30 games. Uh, uh, they had won 70 games in the 10 years before I got there. And I had, like, four coaches. And we were able to bring some stability. And we went... From nine wins my first year to 25 my last year, we lost the buzzer in the conference tournament to go to the NSA tournament. It would have been the first time since 1954 that Manhattan went. And we went to the NIT. We lost in the third round to Notre Dame. And uh, so we went 25-9. and nine. That entire team came back the next year. Fran Fraschilla came and did a great job with those kids. And they went to their first NSA tournament since 1954, the year after I left. I left for Villanova. So... Um, that was a great opportunity for me. I grew up right near Manhattan, so to, to be able to be there um, during that time was great. And to, you know, because I'd watch those guys play in the Garden when I was a kid growing up, and then to be the head coach there was really good. And then UMass, we didn't really have, you know, our, my last year there, we had four athletic directors in four years. My last year, we had all freshmen and sophomores starting. We went sixteen and ten. We beat UConn, who was like number one in the country. We beat GW at GW, who was ranked in the top twenty-five. We beat Florida State by twenty. And the athletic director cut us short. And we left all freshmen and sophomores there for Travis Ford. Hmm. And for the rest is history. And now I'm doing TV. <laughs> um, UMass had to go to, you know, only in New York. They had to go to St. Bonaventure. Give me your best Riley Center story. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough place. And we won there a couple of times. Yeah, sure. Years, yeah. I believe we won at least twice. Uh, maybe even three times. I'm not 100%. I was sure. in school from 2000, well, 98 to 02, so I was there for, I was there for, that. I think, I guess that would have been my senior year when you had just gotten there. I remember going to that game. Yeah, we, we won there. Uh, I don't know if we went four times, but we definitely won at least twice. Yeah. So, but it was tough. And I'll never forget, I used to tell people, the walk from the bench to the locker room was one of the most brutal walks <laughs> that I ever brutal walks in my day, believe me. That walk from the fence to the locker yeah. room in the Riley Center, yeah. that's, one of the worst walk, that's one of the worst walks a visitor can make. Oh, I love it. Um, <laughs> That's great. So, you mentioned, you know, you're an analyst now. I mean, what was the what was the transition like for you? You hear a lot of stories. Former coaches, former players, they make the transition into media. Uh, it has its challenges. You know, some people think they can just waltz right in and be like, well, I should be able to do this. I, I, all I do is talk about the sport while I'm coaching, while I'm playing. What was it like for you, challenge-wise, and, and stuff that maybe came easy at the same time? You know, I really, for me, didn't find it real difficult because 
you know, I was a big tape guy, and, and basically I would watch tape with my assistants, and that's how I felt like when I was doing a game. I felt like I was watching tape with my assistants yeah. and talking about every play. So, you know, I was a tape guy, and if you're a tape guy, it's, it's easier to watch a game and pick out all the nuances, you know, like, mm-hmm. like that was my thing. So, you know, now obviously I had, to, I had to learn a lot about the technical stuff of TV and, and how to communicate in certain areas. But for the most part, you know, I always felt like it, was, it wasn't that hard for me. Uh, but I had to learn and I had to certainly get better along the way, which I hope I did. You, you know, you can't do over, I don't know, I've probably done 400 games now. I hope I've gotten better since game one. But, but for the most part, I never felt like I was in over my head. I got about three to four minutes with you here, and, and I know you have to go. I don't want to hold you. What did you learn from Massimino? Well, a lot. Um, you know, the first thing I learned was I found out when I I went to Coach Massimino out of high school. So when I got there, I really found out quickly what I didn't know about basketball. <laughs> you know, he, he, was, he was an X and O magician, especially on the defensive end. He would diagram plays with the other assistants, and before I could figure out where the first pass was going, they erased it with writing another play on the board. So I was completely lost. Now, I got up to speed fast because as Coach Massimino always said, you got to know, he said, it's so important in life to know what you don't know. And I knew what I didn't know. And I learned it quickly. And I, now I, But I had to get up to speed. I picked it up quickly and became pretty good with the X's and O's. So he taught me about X's and O's. He taught me about how to game plan against teams, how to play every this cut, that cut, everything else. And he taught me more than anything else how to run a program. Hmm. That, you know, what what your role in the program should be, what the assistance roles in the program should be, how the relationship should be between the head coach and the players. I mean, all those things were he was a perfect example to learn all those things of how to so besides the X's and O's, which I learned a ton. I told my I tell my son who's an assistant coach at Fairleigh Dickinson, and I he says, well, where am I compared to you at this stage? I said, here's what I'll say. When he's an assistant coach at Fairleigh Dickinson. So I said, when you're 30 and I'm 30, you were ahead of me because I was a high school coach. You knew much more. But between 30 and 34, I got a PhD class in X's and O's hmm. that I don't know if you're having or gonna ever have because that's how Roly Massimino was. Yeah, and, so, and, and yeah, and by the way, you said Roly. You know, it, some people said Rally, Roly. I think I said Rally earlier, but it's Roly, right? Roly. Roly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Not Rally. It's Roly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, I learned again. The four years I was with him was like a PhD course in X's and O's and a PhD course in how to run a program. So uh, I was very fortunate to be with him. I was only there, I was only an assistant for four years, which mm-hmm. a lot of guys were assistants for 20 years before they get a job. I was only four years, uh, which I was lucky, but I learned so much in those four years. That's incredible. Yeah, I remember listening to so many broadcasts, Roley, Rally, people called it both, and and it's and it's Roley, of course. And, God, what a, what a legendary uh, head coach. In, in maybe 90 seconds, two minutes to close – uh, people are going to be listening to this during final four weeks, so we still have a ton of games as we record this on Friday night. We have Saturday and Sunday for the right to go to the final four in New Orleans. Uh, Gonzaga goes down last night. Like, just give me kind of your go anywhere you want with the bracket, and, and and maybe even squeak in there. What what the heck's next for Gonzaga now? Well, I, you know, I, I got to make it quick. So I think I think Duke is sitting in a great spot now, playing against Arkansas to yeah. get to the final four. I think that. Uh, I like where UCLA is. UCLA has the experience of being there last year. They're going to have a tough game with North Carolina. Purdue will get by St. Peter's, so I think we get, we're going to get that uh, 
UCLA-Purdue game. And then Houston-Villanova, what a great matchup. Maybe the two best cultures in America in terms of teams that play the same way, game in and game out. You know what you're going to expect. Houston's going to be this unbelievable defensive and rebounding juggernaut. Villanova's going to do everything, play smart, take the right play, make the right shot at the right time. And then I think uh, Kansas and Providence, that would be a compelling game because Providence has the wing defenders to stop Ochai Abaji and Christian Brown. And then Iowa State-Miami, we haven't had two. We have two double-digit seeds in the Sweet 16 or later for the fifth time in the history of the tournament. Who knows what's going to happen there? No doubt. Well, head coach Manhattan, Villanova, UMass, now doing great work as an analyst for CBS Sports. It's Steve Lapis. Steve, this was a blast. Take care. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, folks, I have a quick word from our friends at Athletic Greens. And, you know, taking care of your body these days, it's a challenge, but, boy, is it important. In fact, tons of people take multivitamins to help in that regard, but it's more important now. Uh, to choose one that's top quality, right? You don't want something that's eh. You want the top notch in vitamins. Well, guess what? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, and more. And their special blend of ingredients supports your immune system, your nervous system, energy, focus, recovery, etc. It's also lifestyle friendly and it fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. All you have to do is reclaim your health today and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. Man, I knew Steve Lapis would be an absolute blast on the platform. Unbelievable college basketball talk. I'm Mike Lindsley. You can hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports. And we are brought to you by our great friends at Rosie's Corner, Burton Ace Hardware, Ken's Auto Detailing, and Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare. If you're in and around Central New York, bring your dog for a day of play at Barks and Rec. My guy Cooper loves it. Doggy daycare and hotel, dog wash and grooming, you name it. Route 11 and Cicero, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. And a quick tip of the uh, tip of the cap, thank you as well, to Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay and your state farm agent, Matt Graham. Get a free rate quote today from Matt, SyracuseInsuranceAgent.com. Visit the website, call them up, 315-455-FARM. That's 315-455-FARM. Matt Graham of State Farm. You're in and around the great state of New York. Get a free rate quote. See if he can save you some money. SyracuseInsuranceAgent.com. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.